Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. I invite you to hear the voice of our God speaking to us through these words of scripture. After getting into a boat, he crossed the sea and came to his own town. And just then, some people were carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Stand up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And he stood up and went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to human beings. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On this Palm Sunday, we look at another of the healing examples of Jesus in Scripture. We've been on a journey of recovery and healing throughout this Lent. And we conclude this morning with this passage of Scripture and the theme of forgiveness. I want to draw your attention to the fact that in the passage, Jesus sees friends carrying a man who is paralyzed. We assume that they are carrying the man to Jesus. But we don't have recorded that they have yet asked Jesus for anything. Not the individual who needs the healing and not the friends who bring him. Jesus sees the need and responds. And notice what he sees first. The man's need for forgiveness. In fact, when Jesus interacts with the religious authorities and he says, which is easier, I think one of the things he's saying to us is that sometimes forgiveness can be as much of a challenge and an obstacle as physical healing. That those emotional wounds are just as deep, just as real, and just as in need of healing as physical wounds. Jesus sees something and knows this man needs to be released from something he is carrying inside. We aren't told what. Perhaps it is the guilt that he feels over friends having to carry him because of his condition. Perhaps it is forgiveness for what brought the situation. We don't know. We don't know the conditions in each other's lives and heart that bring us to the need for forgiveness. And we don't always have to know. We simply need to know the one who heals and forgives. This morning I want to talk about three, four aspects of forgiveness right quick. The first one is that God forgives us. The whole story of Scripture becomes human beings rebelling, rejecting, and doing something that needs to be forgiven. 
from being unable to restrain ourselves from eating the one fruit in the garden we were told not to, to being able to walk through the desert and believe God would feed us, to not believing that we could be our own gods and make our own rules and rule over ourselves. The whole story of Scripture is a story of the forgiveness that comes at the hands of a loving God. And to portray that story any other way is to change the nature of who the living God is. God forgives. Hear these words from Scripture. 1 John 1.9 assures us that if we confess our sin, if we realize the mistakes that we have made, the ways we have failed to be who God calls us to be, that God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and then not even leave us there. He will purify us from our unrighteousness and through His Holy Spirit help make us more like our Savior. Psalm 103.12 says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he puts our sin from us when we repent. That verse always overwhelms me that an all-knowing and an all-powerful God would choose to forget my sins. Numbers 23.19 Because what if you don't feel forgiven? What if you haven't yet embraced that forgiveness? Numbers 23 says, God is not a human being that God would lie. He's not a child of a human that he will have to repent and change his mind. No, God stands by what God says he will do. And what God speaks, he will accomplish. Romans 8:38 and 39 tells us that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the past or the future, not any power, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. God forgives you. We hear this when we make confession in church. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. We also have to have forgiveness in our relationships with one another. Sometimes we have to ask forgiveness. Now sometimes we think that forgiveness is a sign of weakness. We don't want to admit we've done something wrong. It's not a sign of weakness, but it is a sign of brokenness, a sign that we have failed to be perfect. We are not yet perfected in our love, and therefore the way we treat others sometimes fails to live up to God's ideal. And when it does, we need to say, I'm sorry. It doesn't make us weak and vulnerable. Instead, it robs the mistake of its power over you. Now, whether the other person accepts our apology or not, that's not where the power lies. The power is in the you admitting and asking for forgiveness. And how do we do that? You do it really simply. You state you're wrong. You apologize for it and you ask forgiveness. Let me give you an example. 
I should not have snapped at you the other day. I'm sorry that my bad mood was allowed to hurt you. You did not deserve that, and I am sorry. Please forgive me. It's as simple as that. But then there are those times where we need to forgive others. Forgiving others is an important part of our journey to healing and recovery. As we say the Lord's Prayer together, we say, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew includes more teaching of Jesus around these verses. And he says that Jesus told them, If you forgive the people who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. You see, there is a flow of love and forgiveness that flows through us. The love of God comes through us and spills out onto others. And unforgiveness stops that flow like hair clogging a drain in your bathroom. It damages our relationship with God. And here's the one that pinches me and steps on my toes. When I refuse to forgive, it places us in God's position. It makes us the supervisor of God. That it becomes our job to ensure that God meets out justice in a way to suit us. My friends, the Lord is our avenger. He invites us to let that go. When we refuse to forgive, it also begins to erode our commitment to the sacred worth of every single person. If we begin to see that one person doesn't deserve forgiveness, they become less deserving of God's grace and love, less deserving than us, less deserving of other people. And that is the first step to seeing whole groups of people as less deserving and is a step on the journey to devaluing all of life. And this, my friends, places us at odds with the living God because John 3.16 tells us how much God loves the world. For God so loved the world and each of us in it that he sent his Son This doesn't mean that we don't still believe in justice. We just release ourselves from being the one who must accomplish it. It doesn't mean that there are not consequences for behaviors because there are and there should be. And it doesn't mean that the person who has hurt you has to be a part of your life going forward. It simply means that you no longer continue to drink the poison yourself of unforgiveness and you allow God to work it out with that person. And then perhaps the hardest of all is sometimes we must forgive ourselves. This one can be incredibly difficult to do. But I would ask you, are you more qualified than God to decide 
of what and when you should be forgiven? Do we believe that we are less deserving of forgiveness and second chances than others? Sometimes we must be reminded that others belong in the circle of grace. And sometimes we must remind ourselves that we belong in that circle of grace. But to refuse to forgive yourself is to work against the healing power of Jesus in your life. It is to break those bones that are being healed. It is to pull the scab off the wound. It is to plunge once again the knife into your heart when God wants to make you whole and healthy. It is to deny the triumph of Jesus over death, hell, and the grave. It is to deny yourself the compassion and the love that God came in Jesus Christ to bring us. Let me let some more scripture persuade you. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has for us, that he calls us children of God, and children we are. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jeremiah 31.3 I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Isaiah 43.1 and 2 Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Isaiah 49.16 God says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. You are ever before me. Zephaniah 3.17 God delights in you. He rejoices over you with singing. Hosea 11.4 God says of his relationship with his people, I lead them with cords of kindness I woo them with bands of love. I was to them like one who embraces an infant and cuddles it to the cheek. Matthew 23 and Luke 13 say, In the voice of Jesus, that he desires to gather us as a hen gathers her brood safely under her wings with love and compassion. My friends, forgiveness is a key piece of our journey to being holy and whole vessels of God. I invite you to receive God's forgiveness, to forgive others, and to forgive yourself. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit to lead us to a place of healing and forgiveness. Empower us to forgive others, to know in our hearts that we are forgiven by you, and to grant that to others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.